Good morning, and welcome to The Story Online. I'm so glad you're here. My name's Kale, and I am officially one of the pastors here on staff, and we miss you guys. So let us know how you're doing in the comments. Uh, make sure to put in the chat where you're watching from, and someone from our online team, they'll make sure and give you a shout out. We're in the middle of this sermon series that we're calling Slow to Anger, Making Peace in the Culture Wars. And it couldn't come at a more pivotal time in our society. There's so much division. There's so much unrest. We have Portland burning Bibles. We have Trump banning TikTok. It's on everyone's mind. It's on everyone's screens. It's everywhere we turn. And it can get overwhelming. And my wife and I, we're in the middle of a different kind of war. And you may be familiar with it. It's the war between a toddler and her parents. We're in the middle of it. Uh, we have a 20-month-old daughter at home, and, and we have the battle scars to prove it. We are constantly, we're in the trenches defending ourselves from the constant biting, scratching, clawing, kicking, screaming, every battle that you can imagine, we're in it. We have literally chased our daughter around the house as she has stolen knives from the dishwasher and she's running around like she's Chucky. We have, we're constantly battling it out with her. We're, we're cleaning up everything that she destroys in her wake. It's constant. Years ago, we would have judged ourselves so hard. We now have become the parents that we used to secretly judge. I remember before we had a kid, we would leave our friends' houses and, and we would say things like, we would never let our daughter create that big of a mess in our living room. It would never happen. Okay, okay. Or we would never let our daughter have that much screen time. We'd never let it happen. Too good of parents. Okay, okay. Or we would never, ever let our daughter sing happy birthday to herself and eat a birthday cupcake at seven in the morning, multiple days in a row. Would never happen. That was two days ago. Her birthday's in November. But uh, I remember saying things like, we can't believe people would do that. We became so judgmental. How often do we judge people when we have no idea what they're going through? And I experienced something similar in the church. Growing up, the thing that distorted my view the most, the, the thing that really caused me to run away from the church it was judgmental Christians. I remember I, I promised myself, I said, I will never be like those people. I will never be like them. But what I found out was the quickest way to be a judgmental Christian is to judge judgmental Christians. The quickest way to become a Pharisee is to hate the Pharisees. The, the easiest way to become a hypocrite is to be adamant that I am not a hypocrite. 
I was a judgmental person by judging judgmental people. Do you see how backwards that is? At one point in my life, I, I was inside of the church and I would judge people that were on the outside. And then at another point in my life, I was on the outside of the church and I would judge people that were on the inside. And regardless of who I was judging, my judgmental heart didn't change. It just shifted from one group to another. Being judgmental has always been a struggle in my life. And that's what I want to share today. And I want to see what Jesus had to say on this topic. And here's what Jesus says. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus says, do not judge. And to put this in context, the verse right before this one, Jesus says, do not worry. We're in the 21st week of online-only worship. And Pastor Eric said something that that very first Sunday in March, he said something that I think about all the time. It still rings in my head. And he said that even though there are plenty of things to worry about, even though, especially in this season, there are plenty of things to worry about, Jesus says, do not worry. And Jesus is saying the same thing about being judgmental here. He's saying that even though there are plenty of things to be judgmental about, even though there are plenty of things worthy to be judged, do not judge. Why? Well, you know those people who think that they're experts in something and they have no idea what they're talking about? Like the people who, they didn't know what the word epidemiology was four months ago, and now it's like they're experts in the field. It's like they wrote their dissertation on the current pandemic. You know those people? It's like they got their diploma from Google.com. You know who I'm talking about? That's how foolish we look to God when we judge others. It's foolish. We should let Jesus handle his expertise. And this is how he does that. He comes at this subject and he approaches it with two questions and an answer. He asks us two questions. The first question he asks us is why. Second question he asks us is how. And then he tells us what to do. So first question he asks us is why. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Why? Because if we're honest with ourselves, it's a lot easier to call out someone else's sin than to work on our own. It's a lot easier to look outward than to be searched inward. He's saying that if your why is to change people's mind, then you're doing it wrong. No one gets argued into life change. No one gets judged into Jesus. We should be known by how deeply we love, not by how deeply we judge. Our why should be to inspire people to follow Jesus. And the Apostle Paul, he puts it like this. He says, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Paul, the greatest evangelist 
in the history of the world is saying that passing judgment, it doesn't clear a path to Jesus. It makes people want to take a different road. So he asks us why. And then the second question he asks us is how. He says, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? How off-putting is it when Christians get on our high horse, when we act all high and mighty, like we have some moral authority over others? How sanctimonious is that? The audacity, the hubris that it takes to reach out to remove someone else's speck from their eye and ignore the plank in our own. It's the pinnacle of our depravity. And this isn't just a problem with Christians. This is all throughout our culture. Everyone is getting on their soapboxes. Everyone. And, and again, the Apostle Paul, he, he spells it out like this. He says, you therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. Paul is saying that the act of judgment is the same, if not worse, than all of the sins that you're judging. And that kind of arrogant judgment is just as sinful to God than all of those sins that we love to talk about. And this isn't just with religious fundamentalists either. You can be like me and you can judge the judgmental. Over the past few months, our country has gone up in flames. And who have you blamed? Who are those people that you think, if only they went away, if only they stopped, then the problem would be solved? If you automatically thought that the problem lies with everyone else and not with you, I encourage you to take that pride to God, to clothe yourself and humility, to pray to God to reveal your plank first so that you can see clearly how God wants to use you. Look, God wants to use you. Let him show you how. So Jesus, he asks us why, and then he asks us how, and, and then he tells us what to do, which I'm really thankful for because as a Christian, I know that I'm supposed to hate sin but if I can't judge it, then what am I supposed to do with it? So here's what he says. And, and Jesus doesn't mince words here. He says, you hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. He says, don't be a hypocrite. He says, don't be a play actor. Stop deceiving yourself. Stop deceiving others. Stop acting like you have everything together. Stop acting like you're fine. I don't know about you, but I am exhausted with the I'm fine culture. It's not the truth. I'm not fine. I'm messed up. What Jesus is calling us here to do is take off our masks in front of our brother, in front of our sister. Jesus is calling us into confession. Can you imagine if we started confessing 
to each other instead of judging each other. Can you imagine? I know there's a lot of people that grew up around different types of traditions about confession. But we're not talking about going into a wooden box and telling some priest what you did, um, saying a couple Hail Marys, and then being good to go. What we're talking about is confession. What we're talking about is interpersonal confession. There's a distinction between institutional confession and interpersonal confession. There's a difference. And we're talking about a daily spiritual discipline between you and God and between you and others. And here are some things that we know about confession. First, confession is courageous. It's courageous. It's hard. It's difficult. It's uncomfortable. It's vulnerable. We don't know how people will respond. We don't know how they'll react. We don't know what people will think when we purge our secrets, when we bring them out into the light. Won't people second guess everything that we've ever done? Won't we lose their respect? It takes a leap of faith. It's worth it. And it takes courage. One of the first sermons that I remember at the story, it was when Pastor Eric opened up about his past pornography addiction. Here I was, just a guy thinking about becoming a member of this church. And I remember, I remember how startling that was for me. I remember thinking that pastors, especially ones of a new church plant, aren't supposed to talk like that. They're not supposed to open up like that. Check out this clip. Stop watching porn. And I know you're not surprised to hear a pastor come out against pornography. I mean, big shocker there that a pastor is standing on his pedestal, his soapbox, looking down at all you heathens with your perversions. And listen, this is not me on a soapbox judging you for your porn problems. This is me, a former porn user, empathizing with you. And it should not come as a surprise to you that this pastor or any pastor, any male really under 40 or even older, like has struggled specifically with internet pornography at times. But this is me empathizing with you. And physically, physically, I've only been with one woman in my life. I'm very proud of this. And I, I hope I die being able to say that. I've only been with one woman in my life physically. We waited until our wedding night to give it a go. And I, I thought I was being a gentleman. Now, what she didn't know at the time is that while we dated, I was uh, frequently using internet pornography. I've never heard a pastor be that open. I've never heard a pastor confess that publicly about pornography. I've never heard a pastor openly ask his congregation, am I a perv? I've, I've, never, I've never heard it. That was the title of that message. But that courageous step, it opened up space for me and for others to honestly talk about our real struggles. It opened up space for me to be able to talk about my past pornography addiction. I struggled with for years and how it's still a daily discipline that I have to flee from every day. But for the first time in my life, 
I could honestly talk about my real struggles in church. I found a home, all because of that courageous step. So confession, it's courageous. And second is confession is contagious. And now I'm a pastor here and I'm confessing to all of you. And my wife and I, we lead our marriage class where every fall couples get together and we open up and we're able to be fully transparent about our real struggles where we don't have to hide behind anything. We don't have just surface level conversations. We're able to have real conversation where there's real healing. And, and I remember our, our very first class last year, it was our first session and Pastor Eric, Pastor Gio, they get up and they share their marriage story. And, and I go back to my group and I sit down and the guy across from me, he says, oh, now you're gonna open up and say how you were addicted to porn too? I was like, actually, I wasn't gonna say anything, but I was. And my group went silent for a second. And then it opened up the most beautiful, the most honest, raw conversation about how every couple had experienced that same struggle, had different experiences, but with the same struggle. All because of that courageous step. We felt like we had permission to talk about it. We felt like the conversation was open. We didn't have to hide behind it. And Jesus, he, he's very careful with his words. He uses the word plank and the word speck, which derive from the same original word. They're of the same substance. They're just a different variation. And Jesus says to confess first, to remove the plank from your eye first, because once you've done that heavy lifting, helping someone remove a speck, it's nothing. So confession is courageous. Second is confession is contagious. And finally, confession creates community. It creates community. It lets people know that they're not alone. The Christian life, it's meant to be done in community. Confession in the presence of others, it's the celebration of the gospel together. It's admitting that all have sinned, that all have fallen short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came from Christ Jesus. It leads to making peace. Peace with you, peace with God, peace with others. You know, the whole world expects Christians to judge them. They, they expect every time that there's an argument, every time that there's an election, every time that there's a debate on Facebook, they're waiting for the Christian in the room to state their case. But what if we shocked the world? What if Christians went out of our way to confess our sins instead of judging everyone else's. What a testament that would be to a broken world in desperate need of hope that the people claiming to hold the truth would begin the conversation with who am I to judge? 
not trampling over each other, not running to our soapboxes, tearing each other to pieces. What if we did what Jesus' brother James told us to do? He said, confess your sins to each other. He said to pray for each other and that we may be healed. What if we let confession lead us to Christ? What if we let Christ lead us to the cross where he humbled himself, where he became obedient to death, even death on a cross for the forgiveness of my sin and for the forgiveness of yours? that he is exalted, that his name is above every name, that every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus changed my life. His grace rewrote my story from a judgmental porn addict to a confessing Christian, sharing my story with you. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord share their story. So share your story, all of it. Confess all of it. But most importantly, share the perfect story. The perfect story of the transforming, redeeming, restoring love of God through Jesus. If he can redeem me, if he can rewrite my story, I know he can with yours too. Most of us have a lot of work to do in this area. We're too often quick to judge. We're too often slow to confess. We all have those people who we love to judge. We all have some sin that we're afraid to confess. But what if we flip that script this week? What if you were slow to judge others when they mess up and you were quick to confess your sin when you mess up? That's how we make peace. Peace with God and peace with others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of confession that we can find healing in it, that we can find freedom in who you are, that we can rest in you, that we can find peace in you, eternal, everlasting peace. Holy Spirit, lead us. God, deliver us and help us help each other follow you more and more every day. That's our prayer. Help us. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.